0: I'm the dude, so that's what you call me, you know, uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino. I am the dude, Cody, and I'm fresh out of work, so you know what time it is. It's time for another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast, You're home for basketball and hoops talk and a whole lot more, so stay tuned. Today on the docket, we are going to have the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Are they a real threat to challenge the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference? Do the Warriors and the Grizzlies still have a shot at making the play-in tournament? We're going to talk the Bills versus Dolphins and the Texans versus Colts game. And these are really the two matchups that have playoff implications. We're also going to talk the NFL playoff picture, where teams are likely to be slotted and who's going to play who in the first round of the playoffs. We're also going to talk the College Football National Championship. We have Michigan versus Washington. And we're going to dive into that with a deep dive. So without further ado, let's go over our first topic. Are the Timberwolves and the Thunder a real threat in the Western Conference? We're going to start with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it all starts and ends with the play of Anthony Edwards. He is a bright, budding, young superstar. In Minnesota, he has length and athleticism. He is the whole package. He shoots well from three. He puts pressure on the interior on other defenses. And whether he can step up and perform is going to be the real question. You also have their tremendous defensive length led by their two big men, Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, not to mention Jaden McDaniels, who is an elite defender at that three spot they have an 8 to 9 man deep roster depending on how you view shake milton on this roster which is the perfect playoff rotation cuz everybody knows that your rotation really shrinks down uh to that 8 or 9 range when you hit the playoffs it's important to have one or two extra guys past that 8 in case someone's not performing come playoff time but things are in the right direction for them. Jaden McDaniels has taken some major steps offensively, putting together some very good games. He missed a little bit of time earlier this season with an injury, but he looks very good. He looks more polished and he's looking better than he has in any of his other seasons. The biggest problem or threat to the Timberwolves, I would say, is a team like the Nuggets or the Lakers, a team with a big man who can be dominant and step up and really shred this defense from the inside out. Uh, It really causes a lot of problems with Nikola Jokic's passing. The teams have to converge. If you need more than one person to stop the big man in the paint, it really opens up a lot of things on the perimeter of this defense. Uh, Anthony Davis can do the same thing keeping teams out of the paint and really forcing this Timberwolves team out onto the perimeter where they struggle a little bit more. I know they have Carl Anthony Towns, who's a great shooting big man, but they definitely are more of an inside-centric team with Anthony Edwards wanting to move from inside to outside and Rudy Gobert down low trying to clean up the mess. So, If the Timberwolves can overcome these hurdles like the Nuggets or the Lakers, I think they have a good chance to move forward in the Western Conference. They're a formidable team, but those would be the two teams, if I was Minnesota, that I would not want to play are the Nuggets or the Lakers. Unfortunately, it looks like the Nuggets would be on a crash course to any Western Conference title. So to get over that hump, they'll definitely have to take out Nikola Jokic. Next is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I love this team. They're a very young team with a core of Shai Gilgis Alexander, Chet Holmgren, and Jalen Williams. All of them are playing out of their mind. Uh, Great seasons from everybody. Chet looks like he has a legitimate chance to win Rookie of the Year over Victor Wembenyama, that would be a a nice future bet if you had that one on the docket. They've got a good deep bench with some veteran leadership, not a lot, but they have a little bit of veteran leadership, a lot of guys who can shoot the ball from downtown, and this is definitely a fast-paced track meet type of team. They want to outrun you, outscore you, and That's just their style of play and their winning, which doesn't necessarily translate to playoff basketball, especially with how young they are and how fast the team is. We know that playoff basketball really slows down. It's more of a grit and grind, half-court set, lots of defense. Everybody takes every single possession like it's the last. They're also a bit of a poor rebounding team. They rank 28th in the league in rebounds per game, only averaging 41 rebounds. So that's something they'll definitely have to clean up. You can't have teams getting second-chance opportunities, especially with the pace of play they play at. For them to be ranked 28th is very, very low. Uh, Like I said, they have a little bit of veteran leadership, but it's definitely something they're lacking come playoff time. I think, really, their biggest problems are just that playoff pace of play. When you get down into the nitty-gritty, can they score in the half-court consistently? I know SGA is averaging a lot of points this season, over 30, but he is getting a fair chunk at the line. And as if we've seen anything from Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers, is that those foul calls slow up a little bit in the playoffs. So can you afford to lose 8-10 to 10 points per game if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder and Shy Gilgis-Alexander? and their playoff inexperience. This is a young team, haven't really done anything in the playoffs with this core. So it's very important that they establish themselves, win some games, maybe even win a series or two here this season. I don't see them as a legitimate threat this year, but this is a scary team on the horizon. Once they get some games and some experience under their belt, they're gonna be a real problem in the Western Conference. Now, some teams who have been a real problem in the Western Conference but are lagging behind the pack this year, we're going to talk the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Both currently find themselves out of the play-in tournament. They are ranked at the 11 and I believe the 13 seeds at this moment when I'm recording the podcast. We're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors first. Now, the Warriors statistically should be a better team they're averaging ninth in points per game averaging 116.8 they're second in rebounds per game with 47.3 they're sixth in assists per game at 28.1 and their opponent points per game is 19th about middle of the road uh, at 116.3 so they're currently bringing in slightly more points than they're giving up. They're rebounding the ball well. They're moving the ball well as a team, but these really aren't their issues. Their issues right now are Clay Thompson looks like an absolute shell of himself. He definitely lost a step after his injury. I believe it was an Achilles injury, and I don't want to discredit or discount the mental fortitude it takes to come back from an injury like that, but he's just missing a step. You can tell he's slower. He's not creating the space he once was off the ball. He's not getting as open of looks. And as a result, his shooting percentage and his efficiency have taken a drop. And the other big question mark with this team is not having Draymond green around. It's indefinite how long Draymond will be away from the team. And they're a much better team when Draymond's on the floor. He creates a lot of open looks for Steph, for Clay, These guys who are getting open off of the ball, Draymond is an excellent screener. He's really the glue that holds this team together. And I really hope that he can figure things out and he can find his way back to the court before it's too late for the Warriors this season. I think what they need to do is really make some way for the young talent on this team to flourish you've got young athletic guys like Moses Moody and Jonathan Kuminga who have the talent but maybe haven't had the reps yet so with Draymond out they really need to be pushing their young players and really developing that core because that's what's going to keep this team relevant in years to come. Uh, Currently I don't see the Warriors cracking and making the play-in just because of the indefinite amount of time that Draymond's not going to be there. And if you really do start developing this young talent, let's say the Warriors skid and lose a few more games and fall to five, maybe six games under five hundred, does their GM look at maybe moving on from a couple of these vets Andrew Wiggins was moved to the bench. He's been really having a rough year. Do you look at moving on from them and focus on developing your young talent, or do you really hang on to that hope and really try and fight in and hope you can claw your way in as a 7 or an 8 seed into the playoffs? Only time will tell with them, but those are my predictions. The Memphis Grizzlies definitely got off to a real rocky start due to the 25-game suspension of John Morant. It really left this team in shambles. He is their core. He brings a lot of energy and pace, and you can tell when I go through their statistics. Right now they are currently dead last in the league at 30th in points per game, only averaging 106.8 rebounds. They're 24th in rebounding per game at 41.8. There, you can definitely notice the absence of Steven Adams with this team having gone or undergone uh surgery that is season ending and they are twenty-seventh in assists at twenty-four per game. They really statistically are a bottom of the league team currently, but all that will hopefully change and flip around a little bit with John Morant. Came out very electric and won their first four games in his return, but have since lost three straight games. They have a much deeper hole to try and climb out of than the Warriors do. With For me, the big difference here is Steven Adams. Without Steven Adams setting picks for John Morant, crashing the boards, really being an interior force, this team really doesn't have a core or an identity. Yes, John Morant is going to do his thing. He's already coming back averaging 25 points a game, 7.8 assists, which will help lift those assists per game numbers, but. Without a real interior force, currently the team is starting Bismarck-Biombo at the 5. There is not going to be a competitive and competent team starting Bismarck-Biombo at the 5. At least not one that's going to win 12 more games than they lose for the rest of the year because the 10 seed in that Western Conference is probably going to be a 500 team. Currently they sit at 10 and 22 And I just don't see the Grizzlies winning 12 more games than they lose the rest of this season. I could be wrong because John Morant is a difference maker and he will go out and win you a couple games all on his own. But I still see them falling short. They just have too deep of a hole to try and climb out of, especially when they're missing other pieces on the court. Next, we'll move ahead to the NFL. And we'll first discuss the two games on the docket the Bills versus the Dolphins and the Texans versus the Colts. This Bills Dolphins game is going to be all offense. This game is being played for the number 2 seed. Whoever wins this game is going to be the 2 seed in the NFL playoffs and whoever loses is going to come in as most likely the 6 seed wild card behind Cleveland. Uh you're looking at a defense with the Dolphins that recently lost Bradley Chubb. So even more weakened than this was already going to be. Both teams know how important this game is, and the Bills have really been riding a super high, while the Dolphins just came off a crushing defeat versus the Ravens, where they allowed 56 points. The Ravens, don't get me wrong, are a very strong football team, but you can't be allowing 56 points and hope to be a contender in this league, And you could say they shifted all their focus to this Bills game in the playoffs, but I don't think that's what this is. I think the Dolphins are on the outside looking in and have lost a little bit of momentum here. And I think the Bills are going to win this football game and secure that number two seed. They really came off a rocky couple weeks. They lost to teams like the Denver Broncos and really fell down in the standings and There is actually a scenario where the Bills still miss the playoffs, but I just don't see that happening. I think the Bills are a strong enough team, and they know what this means. They've been in playoff mode for several weeks. They know this is a must-win game, and I think the Bills take this home and take that two-seed from really what people pictured this Bills team missing the playoffs. You have People have Josh Allen ranked in the top five in MVP voting, and... This is going to be a very exciting game. The next game is the Houston Texans versus the Indianapolis Colts. This is two teams that people are very surprised by that have put together these promising seasons, especially when Anthony Richardson has missed the majority of this season due to injury. For the Colts to still be around and relevant and playing for this seven seed is shocking to say the least. I think the biggest key to this game is C.J. Stroud. I thought the Texans had this division in hand, but Stroud missed several games due to injury and a concussion. So with him back and healthy, I think the Texans are able to move the ball, throw the ball. I know they're missing their wide receiver who recently went down with a season-ending injury, but the other receivers look poised and ready to step up catch passes, and lead their team to victory. I think this moves Indianapolis out of the playoffs, and the Texans take that last wild card spot, barring some craziness uh, with Jacksonville in their game. So for me, we'll talk about the NFL playoff picture. The Ravens and 49ers both secured their first round bye and look good we have buffalo or miami coming in at the 2 seed but i'm going to say buffalo is going to take this one. Kansas City's already locked in at the 3 seed. Jacksonville looks like they'll take the 4 seed. Cleveland'll come out come in at the 5, Miami at the 6, and then the winner of Indianapolis Houston and i have Houston will come in at the 7. And that's in the AFC. In the NFC, we have Dallas Most likely coming in at the two, barring some craziness. But this is the division round of the regular season. So anything can happen. We've got Detroit coming in at number three. You have Tampa Bay or the Saints coming in at four. I see Tampa Bay getting it done. Uh, It's been a very, very good season from Tampa Bay. No one expected it coming. You're going to have Philly most likely coming in at the five seed. The Rams at the 6th seed, and then either Green Bay or Seattle in at the 7th seed. So there's still teams fighting and jockeying for position, trying to make the playoffs. It's not set in stone yet, but we're looking at first-round matchups of most likely Buffalo versus Houston. That's going to be a great quarterback duel, but I don't think Houston and C.J. Stroud are ready to move past a team like Buffalo, especially one that's firing on all cylinders. You're going to have Kansas City versus Miami, who played a very competitive regular season game. This Kansas City team has very much struggled. They don't have a competent receiving core, and I could easily see either Buffalo or Miami, whoever comes in at that six seed, giving Kansas City a run for their money and potentially winning a wild card game versus Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs then at the 4 seed you could have indy houston or jacksonville coming at the 4 seed i don't know i have jacksonville and they're playing cleveland look for cleveland to have an excellent game behind joe flacco and actually win their initial wild card game and beat jacksonville on the road in the nfc you're going to most likely have dallas playing either green bay or seattle I don't think either team has what it takes to challenge Dallas at home. They'll easily move on to the divisional round. You'll have Detroit most likely playing the Rams. The Rams have had a very strong showing late in the year. And Detroit has got confidence and bravado. This is their first playoff run in some time where they look actually confident. I could see... The Rams upsetting Detroit, but I think Detroit has a very good chance to make the divisional round. Then you have, most likely, Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, matching up against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have had a very strong last couple of seasons, but over the last weeks, they seem to be lacking confidence, upset with play call style. I actually see Philly having a very disappointing end to the season and losing a game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round. Up next, we're going to talk the college football playoff. But before I hop in and discuss the eventual national championship game, I would like to play a sound clip from a Jim Harbaugh press conference following the win Michigan, Michigan had over Alabama. Here it is. Uh, there's a lot of interest in your future. I wonder if you can tell me what the chances are that the championship game might be your last one at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> My future consists of a happy flight back to Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I'm not going to say I was right when I said that the Michigan Wolverines were going to come out and win this game for Harbaugh because he's leaving and going to the NFL. I'm not going to say that, but Jim Harbaugh is being very dodgy and noncommittal with his answering of the question, leaving open a lot of speculation, and he wouldn't do this if he was absolutely certain of his next move because this can really put a damper on recruiting efforts. You know, teams like Ohio State and other teams in the Big Ten are definitely going to use this against Michigan and their recruiting saying, you don't even know who's going to be the head coach there in coming years. Why would you go to Michigan over a well-established, solidified team like Ohio State? Anyway, we'll move on from that post-game presser, and we'll actually talk the matchup that is coming up in the national championship. Michigan at number one, 14-0 season versus Washington at two, who has also led a 14-0 season. So we'll talk a little bit about what they did in their previous games and how that's going to translate into this national championship game. Michael Penix for Washington had 430 passing yards. Two of his receivers had 100-yard receiving games. The offensive line allowed zero sacks to a very good Texas defensive line. They also ran in two touchdowns despite their inability to move the ball running the football. Dylan Johnson only averaged 2.3 yards per carry, but Washington was able to move the ball down the field with their passing attack and still punch it into the end zone using their running game. So they showed a little bit of balance on offense, not much in the way of defense, which we've come to expect from this Washington football team, but they've played a lot of very close games throughout this year and have found a way to win every single one of them so far. So they just have the confidence in these close games to go in and to finish the job. Now, the one-seat Michigan only allowed 116 pass yards to Bama. I know that's not the strongest passing offense, but that's still very, very solid from a game. I said that they had the best pass defense of all four teams that were in the college football playoff, and they definitely flexed their muscles there. They had three different wide receivers Catch touchdown passes, they had a hundred and thirty team rushing yards and got a touchdown that way. They also had six sacks. They showed a tremendous balance, uh which I think is the key word going into this national championship is balance. This Michigan football team looks like an absolutely complete football team, whereas this Washington football team not only are they one dimensional in terms of offense and defense, but their offense is a little more one dimensional even further than that they've still found a way to go 14 and 0 and I'm not discrediting anything they've done but I don't see a Washington team who is currently in a five-point underdog uh, betting I don't see them upsetting a Michigan team I think that Michigan the over at five and a half is actually a great bet I think Michigan wins this game by about 10 to 14 points uh, they've been very good all season, and like I said, they have the best pass defense that made this college football playoff. They're spreading the ball around to receivers. They're running the football on teams. They're putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. I still think this Washington offensive line protects Michael Penix Jr. and gives him time to throw the football, but the corners and safeties for this Michigan team are also a huge threat. And can lock down even when their defensive line isn't getting home and getting sacks and creating that kind of pressure. So for me, Michigan is going to go on to be your 2024 national champions, and then Jim Harbaugh will exit and most likely be the coach of either the Las Vegas Raiders or the Los Angeles chargers so if you disagree with me that's fine but that's what i think is going to happen feel free to let me know what you think and have a great rest of your day and i am signing off